1: hello everybody and welcome to blizzard watch the podcast where we talk about blizzard entertainment and its many games i am matt i'm the host and with me this week is my fantastic co-host as she is every week uh Anne stickney and what have you been up to
0: i um well i have once again failed to get the music box <laughs> twice um i am like i think i'm losing hope that i'm ever going to actually get that thing I don't know. It's like the one toy that I'm missing from those stupid Paragon boxes. And it was the one that I really, really wanted. So, of course, it's the one that is just never going to happen for me. Um, beyond that, haven't been doing too much with World of Warcraft. Just the usual, you know, run around, do the daily quest, thing like that. Um have poked around on the PTR a little bit more. It is very interesting, and I am enjoying it. Um, and then, oh, in, in other news with, like, the Switch, I am almost done with Pokemon Let's Go, but I'm doing that whole obsessive thing where I'm like, I need to collect all of the Pokemon because I just need to collect all of the Pokemon. So um, I've been doing that. And I did discover something cool. Remember when I was talking about like games last week?
1: Yeah, I do remember that.
0: Okay. Twitch Prime is running a thing right now where you get like a free three months of their like Nintendo Online thing and it gives you this catalog library of all of the old like NES games and I think there's some Super NES Any- I don't know if there's Super NES I think it's all just like Nintendo it's just Nintendo games but like Mario 3 and Mario 2 are in there Kirby's in there like there's a bunch of stuff that's in there so I play I spent the weekend playing really really retro stuff and also I am terrible at them <laughs> it's been way too long <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was watching a video a while back that was talking about like the the stuff you forget from old games. Yeah. Like and it doesn't have to be Nintendo old even. Um I whenever I boot up an old save from like a, a game I haven't played in a couple of years, uh what really comes to mind is when I took up Fallout again in twenty sixteen after having not played it in a while, I couldn't remember how anything worked. I was Like, um oh God, what do we do? In in fact when I was playing Assassin's Creed this morning, um, because I the new DLC just came out, I couldn't remember how to stealth or how to, like, you know, jump, or how to do, like, the the whole... Like, the main thing that's you have to do to get a sneak attack off on people. I'm like, which button is this? Oh, God! See, the uh, thing so. is,
0: is, like, I remember all of this stuff, and I, I mean, I vividly remember where all the warp whistles are at in Mario 3. I could go through and do that. But the Switch controller is not the controller that I remember playing the game with. So... The muscle memory isn't there. I feel like if I had like an actual uh, Super Nintendo or a Nintendo like controller, like the original ones, the OG ones, then it would kind of be like riding a bicycle. I don't know, because I do. Like remember, I said, I remember where all the warp whistles are at.
1: <laughs> I usually remember stuff within like a a, a couple of minutes, but it always there's always that oh god, um, the last time I played this was on a 360. Oh geez, what do I do? This is on a PC now. What do I do? Oh right, okay, that's how you do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, so yeah, that's oh, what I've should... been up to. Like retro gaming, doing some World of Warcraft stuff, getting really annoyed because RNG is just not my friend right now. I, I seem to go through phases with the RNG because it's like sometimes it is absolutely for... Like Legion, I didn't I didn't have to fight that hard to get the Paragon stuff out of Legion. Uh, I think the unicorn from Valshara was like the last thing that I got. And that still didn't even really feel like a huge grind or anything like that. So yeah, I don't know.
1: Uh, I I I don't want to talk about RNG and World of Warcraft.
0: <laughs> How's the shoulders? Let's just no. no.
1: <laughs> anyway, that's been the show. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we should we'll talk about some top stories. The uh, you know first story that we're going to talk about is one that just came up today. The uh World of Warcraft Classic beta, um, which has gone up to level thirty up to now, has been taken down so they can do some changes and buff up the the max level to forty for testing. So they're they're allowing people to get up to forty to test. I hadn't gotten to thirty yet, which was the old max. That should be up today. Um I've I've been on the beta quite a bit and so far it's been it's been good, but I've only gotten up to twenty because level twenty is when it starts getting really slow
0: dicey
1: yeah it's just you're fighting stuff like they give you quests at level 19 to go kill a level 24 elite pig in 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 red ridge i'm like what i can't kill that thing are you out of your mind yeah that's
0: not gonna happen
1: (laughs) yeah i'm I'm gonna be killing that thing for a while um so there's there's all that stuff is still there so i'm i'm interested to see when people start going from 30 to 40 if there's going to be a lot of people hanging out in like certain regions like Desolus just killing uh scorpids or, um... or the
0: skeleton the undead skeletons in the south end of it because you go through that little canyon there, and that's okay. I don't know why I remember all this obscure stuff
1: <laughs> oh there's no forgetting it it's it's burned into your memory i remember i play I only played horde like i didn't play horde as much as I played alliance, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to forget that patch of like centaurs. Uh, right there on the bottom of Desolus that you like, you basically. Oh yeah, the run ones by. that are
0: like right by the entrance to Fellwood. See, you could like hang out there and kill those dudes for a while and work on like your reputation.
1: Yeah, um, your Galcrest rep, if you were getting that, which
0: was also painful. And and then every once in a while you'd see Rexar walk by and it was like, oh hey Rexar, <gasps> I forgot about that. You you on classic ah oh, Rexar will be making his track again. I'm so excited. Yeah. He's not going to
1: look right either.
0: No, he won't. But it's okay cuz he's just going to be Rexar and and Misha and they're just going to be walking. Ah, oh, I forgot about that. I totally forgot about that. Man, okay. I need to get in on this whole classic beta thing. I'm not on the classic beta thing. But yeah, I I think for me, what I found like really entertaining so far, and maybe it shouldn't be so entertaining, but it totally is, is that every now and again they'll they'll release it's like a list of bugs that are not bugs.
1: Yeah, the back list. To grow, <laughs> so it's yes. like,
0: Here are things that are not working right, but it's okay that they're not working right because they're not supposed to be working.
1: Right. Or, no, that that is how it always worked. That's, like, the one no, that no,
0: this is correct. It may seem like it's broken, but it's actually right. <laughs>
1: The one that got me was, when it was like, Warrior Regeneration is operating at expected levels. I think everybody who played a war in classic was like, yep, it, it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had to run away from a second mob adding. Uh-huh, it was that bad. People don't believe us. <laughs> this is, like, this when is you actually what it's because second Because Second Wind didn't exist.
0: <laughs> there is no such thing as Second Wind.
1: <laughs> there is nothing. You get an ad, you die. Maybe you kill the first ad before you die. Maybe you don't. Occasionally, you might be able to successfully run away, but you haven't got anything to keep you from taking damage while you're running away. so if you're at low health, you're probably gonna die before you get away. Save your potions for the runaway period yep so yeah it's it's a fantastic it's it's actually not bad. like the thing is is I don't dislike it, but it is exactly what I expected like all the all the really messed up stuff is there waiting for you so
0: one thing I wanted to ask you about because this was. When it happened, people were really upset about it, mostly raiders. On Classic right now, can you chug your potions one right after the other, or is the potion cooldown in place?
1: I believe the cooldown's in effect, okay. because All right. it's, it's 1.12, and I'm pretty sure the cooldown came well before that. Yeah, it did. But I can't say for absolute sure, because I've never had enough potions to chug. Like if I have a potion on this character, it's it's a miracle. It's it's it was in a chest. That's the only way it's happened. So yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that with the the, I believe the beta says that it's on patch 1.13. There was no 1.13, so it's basically patch 1.12 with a few modifications made to you know because it's in a different for engine and so forth. That yeah. Kind of thing. So it's anything that they put in. Like for instance. I did a post where I mentioned that the flight paths are all chained now. So you don't have to go from one place to another individually. Like you can just say, okay, I've I've learned all the flight points from Orgamar. Oh, they actually to's. put that in there, huh? Yeah, that's that's wow. in. So you, you can fly straight from Orgamar all the way down to Silithus if there's a flight point there you have. All you just don't have to fly each individual one. You can actually just click the place you want to go and it will fly you the whole way. The uh the dismount thing where you can click the the red arrow and get off the, the the flying mount if you decide you want to get off, uh it'll stop at the next flight point instead of taking it all the way there. That's really? in, yeah, yeah. That's in. So Man, some... I
0: remember when they chained the flight path. That was like yeah revolutionary. Because yeah, because people don't up realize until that you... point. You had to fly like if you were going to fly from Stormwind to Stranglethorn, you had to fly to. Goldshire get off get back on fly to the next point get off get back on fly to the next point like you you couldn't just it didn't do that <laughs> yeah.
1: the, the, when they put in the, they put in chain flight points people could finally like get on a verd and then go to the bathroom yeah before, before they did that if you went to the bathroom you'd come back and you were like one fourth of the way there because you got off at the first available flight point and yep. now you have to fly the rest of the way so yeah, it was actually a huge convenience. Um, people don't realize this, and that's actually in. There are a few others. Um, one that really caught my eye, actually, when we when I was playing, uh, one thing I noticed that's that's a really nice little convenience, is all the boats and and zeppelins from classic are there, including ones that are dead on live. Yeah. So you can go from Menethil Harbor. You can go from from uh, Darnassus. You go to Auberdine. From Auberdeen, you go to Menethil Harbor. From Menethil Harbor you go to uh, Theramore. So you can actually jump down to Theramore from uh, Darkshore. You can just jump back and forth. Uh, And there's like blimps, all the blimps there. So you can go from Undercity to Gromgall or from Orgrimmar to Gromgall and so forth.
0: There is no harbor in Stormwind, though.
1: Nope, no harbor in Stormwind. So if you want to get to Stormwind, you are running from Menethil, uh, which is, you know, which I is did it. So. To
0: Iron Forge. Ironforge. Ironforge. Take the tram, and then you're in Stormwind, and it's okay. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's not. It's,
1: it's too awful. You just have to run through the wetlands. I only got killed four times, and that's the kind of thing you find yourself saying when you play wetlands. I only got killed four times. Yep. That's fine. I remember in I remember in live when I had to do this the first time. I had no idea where I was going. I ended up it's dying like, like six times. I ended up in a cave run. full of oozes. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time cool. I did it. Seriously, I ended up in a cave full of oozes. Yeah. Because I didn't know where the where the road was. I had no idea. I'd never done this before. Ran off the road, ended up in a cave full of oozes. Wasn't yeah. getting my body back. <laughs> yeah. No, that didn't happen. hmm But yeah, so that's that's being handled that's gonna be happening fairly soon. Um
0: Corpse hopping was definitely a thing. Yeah. Where you, you basically you would get as far away, then you would rez, something would kill you, and then you'd get as far away as you
1: could from that and then that's you'd rez, and then
0: something would <laughs> Yeah, but I
1: mean, like, you know, now that you know where the road is, it only happens like three or four times. But yeah, it's really what's really funny is when you're running and there's a crocodile coming up behind you and you're running and you're trying to see, will it break off before it gets to me? Oh, it got to me. How many times is it going to hit me before? OK, it broke off. I'm not dead. Oh, but there's a raptor. OK, I'm dead. But uh, we could talk about this all day and we do have other stuff to talk about. So. Uh, I think I'm gonna, the thing, next one I'm going to mention is that Operation Mechagon, the the super dungeon, the mega dungeon from uh, patch 8.2, one of the things it brings back is a particular kind of hard mode that we last saw in Ulduar, where instead of toggling for a higher difficulty level, you can do the fights in specific ways. And by doing the fights in those specific ways, they will be harder and we don't know yet what the loot will be there's at, at present we don't there's no no loot to test in the dungeon but when you do that you do the hard mode for, instance, for example the way that the dungeon works is there's a, a boss who basically floats around in the air and he he flies between bosses there's
0: if three bosses pull, there's yeah. three initial bosses and you could choose which order you want to do those three bosses the fourth one is flying above and he's he's flying above one of the three bosses yeah
1: yeah, and if you pull that boss while he's floating there, he engages during the fight and adds difficulty to it. He, he drops a certain kind of ad that oh. you can't kill. Ooh. That will attack you throughout the fight and you basically just have to deal with the damage. And if you do that like enough times cuz he'll do it for all three bosses. If you if you wait till he's flying over a boss before you pull it, um he won't come if you do this if you pull while he's not there, he won't show up and make the fight hard mode in the middle. but if you pull while he's there, you can do this for all three um, he, he'll drop the ad, special ad and make the fight harder and then when you get to him at the end the the ads on the way to him because it's a it's kind of a similar to XT it has this like wave of stuff before you get to him uh, the, the ads will be harder and his mechanics will be different and more difficult as well when you finally fight him. So it's interesting. I I don't know how popular it will be. I don't know how many people will actually do it. Um, but it it reminds me of firefighter, which means I I get like sweaty hands and start feeling uncomfortable whenever I remember firefighter because that was that was not a fun fight. Um, firefighter ten man I think was one of the most aggressively painful experiences of my life. Yep. Um, just because there wasn't enough people to really cover the area, and no. I mean firefighter twenty five had its own problems there were too many people 20, and 25 was,
0: dying. was a matter of okay who's the first person that's not going to dodge when they need to dodge yeah and it was always a healer <laughs>
1: yeah 25 certainly has problems but 10 was just you just did not have the numbers to deal with the the stuff that was being thrown at you i remember when we did firefighter 10 and we got through it and i i remember like one healer was just screaming he was screaming his head off the whole time just just screaming left right oh god look ah we did it and then he was hoarse for the rest of the raid. The rest of the raid, he wasn't like, croaking out instructions. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, but they're but that's interesting that they're doing that. Because for a long time now, difficulty has just been normal, heroic, uh, mythic.
0: Ulduar was really the only place that they did that. It was kind of an experimental thing that they did. Um, because when you started Wrath of the Lich King, obviously they had Naxramus, And Naxramus worked pretty similarly to how the 40-man version... It was... I shouldn't say pretty similar, because it wasn't. It was. It felt deserted in there, for one thing. Oh,
1: yeah. I think the exact phrase I used when I first went there was like, this feels like an empty strip mall. Yeah. Because the amount of trash that it had in 40 Man, they scaled and the amount of trash it, it had in... Tw- yeah.
0: Yeah, they scaled it down for 25 people, and when they did that, all of a sudden, it felt empty. Because um, it was really built. It was built for 40 people, and designed for 40 people, but that's okay. Um, however when war came out one of the little things that was like interesting about it was that it had these heart mode things that you could do and they were just like little pieces of the fight where if you did them in a specific way it would unlock a, a higher level difficulty which was yeah
1: the most familiar one would be when you were doing XT it's, if you yeah, killed his heart
0: and then there was also um, there was one with there, I think there was one with pretty much every boss yeah?
1: No, there was, XT had one. XT um, had
0: one, Thorum had one, Hodier had one.
1: I don't think Ignis, I don't think that was actually a hard mode, it was just people making their lives more difficult on purpose.
0: For Ignis? Yeah, I don't think it
1: yeah, did anything. No, it Ignis, didn't,
0: Ignis, didn't, that there. was a hard mode.
1: Did it actually give any big better yeah. gear? I don't yeah, yeah, you did. got better loot. Okay, then a lot of them had them. And Razor, uh, Razor Scale had one. Flame I Claim Leviathan did one. Yeah, Flame Leviathan. I think Leviathan all of them
0: him. had like a heart mode that you could do because there was that achievement where if you did all of those things and the XT obviously XT if you killed his heart during the heart phase then it would he would kick into overdrive and like murder everybody. Yeah, um, he was
1: he was quite nasty. And when ev- she did that.
0: everybody thought that was really cool. And you know, of course, that all culminated when you went to Yogg because you could choose, you know, depending on who you killed up above, how difficult yogg was going to be, you know, whether it was going to be like four lights or no lights or that kind of thing. Um, And then when they came out with I'm trying to remember the name of it. Argent Tournament?
1: Coliseum. Yeah. The Argent 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 Tournament.
0: When they came out with that, that's when they put in the toggle switch where you could just switch from normal mode to hard mode. And there were a lot of people, myself included, that were kind of a little bit disappointed with that. Not because we didn't appreciate the fact that there was hard mode. Because we did. It w- it was nice that there was like another level of difficulty there. It was that the mechanics that were present in Old War were really clever. And it was kind of fun. Because it was actually more engaging in a way. Because it wasn't just one person flipping a toggle. It was you had to do a certain thing during the fight to unlock this whole bonus level thing. Right? And it just felt really cool. But... I know that the people that I talked to, and from what I remember, like of developer interviews and stuff, they said, "Yeah, that was really cool," but they can't keep coming up with ideas like that forever, because not every boss fight is going to have an opportunity to do something like that. You know
1: what I mean? so no, I, I understood why they did it in yeah. part because of that. And here's the, the: I remember when it started with Sarth, because Sarth had yeah, that's right. Because you could increase choose... Sarth's difficulty. You could do it up to like, Sarth had three ads that surrounded him and like, they were like big deals. And then they were like trash. You could clear all the trash and avoid killing those three ads. And if you did, they would come down during the fight. And for every one of them that you left up, the fight would get more difficult and you could finally get it to ramp up. to Like it's, it's ultimate level of difficulty. Um, or you could just not kill anything and all the trash would come as, as the expansion progressed and we got more geared, we started doing that. We started, like, not killing anything.
0: <laughs> you'd run in to yeah. engage Sarth, and then yeah. you just, like, Blood lost. AOE go. everything.
1: <laughs> I remember when we were working on Heroic uh, Lich King, uh, Heroic 25 Lich King, because at that point you had 10 and 25, and then you had Heroic and Normal. We were working on Heroic Lich King, and we would, like, for, for stress release, we would go to Sarth and just pull the whole thing, and drag it all on top of Sarth, and go nuts uh you know just everybody would hit their aoe tanks would just do the best they could uh try to burn down all the trash and then as the ads came down you we would literally just try to just turn over everybody kill that ad now uh but yeah that was so the mechanic mechanical type stuff like this it's it's not new but it's the first time they've done it in a 5 man that i can think of like i don't I... remember them ever doing a 5 man like this before
0: i mean you had nightbane in the original caravan but that wasn't really a hard mode it was boss. just an optional boss but you had to do steps to get him. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah, I can't remember if they I don't think they ever had that really with any of the with any of
1: the dungeons. So yeah, that's cool. That's the thing that's coming in eight point two. Um it makes sense also... to me
0: though, because we're talking about like a gnome area and you know, it's all that like technology, it's all about the technology thing. And Old was definitely all about the technology. It was like Titan Tech, that kind of thing. So, thematically, yeah. it makes sense to me.
1: I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to find out, too, that uh, Mechagon turns out to be built on one of the unknown Titan facilities where we haven't gone to yet. That'd be cool. That would, yeah, But another thing coming in 8.2 is uh, Benthic Gear, which is the catch-up mechanic that they're putting in for the new expansion. And it's this... upgradable. It's not a new say... expansion. Sorry, a new patch. New, new patch. patch. Go it's
0: 8.2. Well, no. I'm going to let you explain it because this was the thing that I didn't, I didn't catch apparently. So I was reading through it, and I'm like, oh, okay. This is different. So I'm going to let you explain it. Go ahead.
1: Well, I mean, it it is pretty much, it's just, it's new gear that as you play throughout um, Nazjatar, you can upgrade it. It's similar to like, if you remember back at the end of Mists of Pandaria with the, um, or or for that matter, the end of, of Warlords to a degree, they had the gear that you could get uh mr mandaria really had this you could get gear throughout the expansion and it would be i'm trying to remember exactly how to explain the timeless isle or was it was it cataclysm we could do this my god we've been playing this game for a long time
0: no it wasn't cataclysm it was when they came in with the timeless isle they had this whole catch-up thing Yeah, but
1: they had the upgradable the upgradable thing is i think from like similar to the cataclysm where in cataclysm you'd go and you'd have the ethereals upgrade your gear no it wasn't upgrading it was
0: reforging
1: not just reforging, the, the thing where you could actually add item levels to it. No, that's definitely Mr. Pandaria. Yeah, that's because I was, I was say, wrong. That was it's end not... of Mr. Pandaria because you could do it with this we well, could do it with the cloaks too. Yeah. You can increase the item level. Yeah. That's something they're bringing back with Benthic gear. Um you can get the Benthic gear to start and it'll be better than like it'll be pretty good, solid gear, but by the time you get the Benthic gear fully upgraded, it'll be item level five twenty five, which is just slightly below the item level five thirty heroic gear. That you get for running Heroic uh, Eternal Palace. I thought it was 425 and
0: 430.
1: Might be. I might be getting the numbers wrong.
0: Okay.
1: I think, yeah, you're right. It's 425 and 430.
0: 525 is, I mean, I'm not. I'm nowhere near that right
1: now. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason that they're doing it that way is because it will take you a while to actually fully upgrade it. By the time you've got it fully upgraded to that point, people will be clearing Heroic. So it's, it's a way to get your gear current. And to keep up and to have like, if for some reason you just can't get that, that weapon drop or that, you know, that armor piece, you'll be able to use a benthic piece and you'll be able to upgrade it to the point where it's almost as good as heroic stuff. So you won't be basically hanging around waiting in normal mode gear until that heroic piece drops. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, I think it's really interesting because it's, it's a different way to itemize and keep your itemization going like with the, the way we've had it up to this point the only pe- like the only pieces that are really important are your azurite pieces and you kind of the rest you just get the you know get the highest level one you can and then you're done and you don't think about it again unless you get you know you get an upgrade at some point but with this you you'll actually be paying attention to and, and working on your gear and you can do it in different ways. Like you can have it as a backup or you can be, this is the only content I do type stuff. And since we're going to have heroic war fronts uh, in 8.2, I think it's just going to be heroic um, Arathi to start. Uh, since those are coming, there'll be various other ways to get your gear up to level as well. So that's interesting to me The the fact that it's based on Nazjatar and it's, it's involves questing and, and going through Nazjatar Kind of reminds me a little bit of other catch-up mechanics we've seen, like the Broken Shore and uh, Argus. But it has the fact that it's got the upgrade built in, makes it new and interesting. I mean, that's something we haven't seen in a long time. Like, I, like I said, Missa Pandaria was the last time we got gear, you know, the ability to upgrade gear. But that was any gear you had. That was literally any piece of gear you got. You could upgrade. Like, I think twice back then. Yeah. Um, so
0: I have a question. Sure. All right. So this is kind of it feels like it's along the same line as like uh, baleful tokens or like the relinqu- I, was it relinquished, relinquished on Argus? The, the tokens that you could get that just kind of like dropped and you could click them and it would make an armor piece that was suitable you know it was like that catch up stuff right? And I forget what the ones were called on the timeless isle but it was the same thing where you got like a token yeah. and you would yeah okay this sounds like that right?
1: It's similar to that, except with the upgrade is limited to just Benthic pieces. Okay. And you have to get resources through Nazjatar to do it. It's not just, you know, it's not something you can do if you're not doing Nazjatar stuff. It's You use the Prismatic Mana Pearl currency. Okay, so here's here's my question,
0: it. though. Um, Timeless Isle introduced this in miss Pandaria. Uh, Tanan Jungle introduced this in Warlords and Argus introduced this in Legion, and all of these were notable because they were kind of the last stopping points for the expansion. Does this mean that Nazjatar and all the stuff that comes with it is the last match? Well, we know we're we
1: getting an 8.25, but we don't know beyond that.
0: We Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't had any kind of confirmation either way of whether nope. or not this is the final big raid, or if they're coming nope. out with something else.
1: No one said anything. Yeah, we have no idea. I'm just wondering uh, because
0: typically speaking when I'm... they release this kind of catch-up gear, they do it because they're reaching the end of the expansion and they want everybody in their alts
1: to be able to catch up. Which is possible because BlizzCon is coming and if this is the last patch of the expansion and it comes out like in summer, like at this point I'm think I'm expecting 8.2 in like July or August. Yeah. Then that would be, you know, well-timed for the announcement of the next expansion, although it could be kind of bad if we then ended up having to wait a year for it. But if they announced in November, okay, summer of 2020, you know, 2020 new expansion, then I think people would be okay with it. Uh, It depends on what what they're going. The only thing is, is that technically speaking, they have done this, not they've done this system sometimes when it's not the end of an expansion. For instance, the broken shore had the exact same system. Uh, and that That's was true. not the end of the expansion. It was and like it broke...
0: the patch before the last. Yeah. So okay.
1: it's possible that this is the last patch. I mean, we don't know, but it's possible. Um, on the other hand, it's possible there's a patch after this. Because I'm just
0: wondering if Eternal Palace is going to be the last big raid or if they're going to give us another one.
1: I'm, yeah, I'm wondering too. I have no knowledge one way or the other. I from We don't know yet what happens to Ashara is the thing. We don't know if she survives this raid. If Ishara survives the raid... I'm just raid, thinking...
0: See, and you know where my brain is going. You absolutely know yeah. where my brain is going. Because if this is the last raid of the expansion, then there's only one place the next expansion could go, logically speaking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If this is it. <laughs> if this is it. They have to to deal with Mazoth in the next raid, the next expansion.
0: Black Empire. Whereas, like I was saying last yeah. week,
1: man. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see what they do. Uh, it certainly could be the last raid. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing stopping them from ending it here. Like this is certainly, it's an interesting place to stop because I don't feel like it doesn't feel like a lot of stuff is resolved in eight two from what I've seen of it. So I don't feel like it's a great stopping point. It would be an interesting stopping point, but it's not like one that gives you a lot of closure. It kind of like ends with a, you know, the war is still looming sort of thing. So yeah, we'll see. We will see what happens. But yeah, the Menti Gear is pretty much that kind of catch-up mechanism, which implies either that, like you said, they're gonna end things, or that they're expecting people to need a, a, a big catch-up mechanism followed by whatever they do in eight three if eight three happens. So, but yeah, that's that's going on in eight two as well. So, okay. the uh, one thing I should mention this this one's not really patch related or anything, but. If you remember last year's BlizzCon, they had the uh, the rainbow themed LGBTQ pin for that they had at BlizzCon. Oh
0: yeah, they had employees. Well, it wasn't. I was it. La- I think they had it for like the last couple of years. They've had them.
1: I yeah, did... I, I just remember it getting mentioned last year. I don't know if it was the year before or not. It might have been.
0: Pretty much everybody saw those and was like, "Those are cool. Where do you get those?" But it was like a staff only thing, I think.
1: I, I they were just. The people who were presenting and stuff, Apple is kind of had them. Yeah, I don't recall them ever being sold or anything. Um, I believe they're also selling a T-shirt for Overwatch League, but that wasn't the case when I wrote this email. Or at least I hadn't seen it yet when that was happening. But the yeah, pin there's I know a
0: difference because I think the Overwatch League thing, there isn't part of that that goes to charity, and with this one, there's actually part of it going
1: to charity. Yeah, the, the pins proceeds go to the Trevor Project, um, which is a good project. If the Trevor Project is pretty awesome, and so yeah that's people have wanted that pin for a while so that's available uh, i know i remember during last year's blizzcon coverage people were talking about it and saying yeah wh- how do we get those pins is are they in a bag or something where are they coming from and they were like nope those just just people here are wearing those so now they've been made available if you want one you can pick one up which i think is pretty cool i'll probably get one know, I'll, I'll represent for b
0: june is pride month which is why they're doing yep. this um the thing is is like reaction to this has been kind of mixed and I'm not yeah. quite sure why. I think, I mean, the proceeds from this, is go, the, it's going to the Trevor Project minus, uh, I believe it's like manufacturing costs, that kind of thing. And people were kind of annoyed because it was like, well, why didn't you just release another pet or something like that? I don't know. I'm no, not I, sure.
1: I, I know that it's that. And also because it's just for the month of June and then they're going to keep selling the pin. And at least yeah. that's the theory. Maybe. And people are annoyed by that because the, the proceeds only go for June. There's reasons to be upset about it. But, I mean, for me, I'd like to get one just so I have one. I think they're cool and I'd like to own one.
0: I think it's cool. I'm not going to dismiss I think it's cool that they're doing upset. something for charity. I think that had they done, like, a pet or something, that would have been cool, too. But it's kind of nice that they're giving you something that's, like, you know, a real-life physical item rather than just a virtual thing in the video game. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Those pins were really cool. I just remember they were very eye-catching at BlizzCon, and everybody was like, where did they get those? Where can you get those from? Those are really neat. (laughs) So, yeah, it's kind of cool that you can get them. Trevor Project is a really worthy charity, so I'm glad that they are actually, like, donating to that organization. And, yeah, it's Pride Month.
1: Cool. Speaking of the Trevor Project, though, uh, since we brought that up, uh, this June 29th, the uh, annual Running of the Trolls uh, is starting up again. That's uh, something that happens every year, this Running of the Trolls and Running of the Gnomes. It's been the past few years. Uh, Dravi really cool uh, member of the community, a warlock. She's been, you know, organizing and running these things. And they, all the proceeds that they get, it's basically something you can sign up for to sponsor it. All the proceeds they get um, go straight to the Trevor Project, which is, I mean, I think they do breast cancer for Running of the Gnomes, and then they do the Trevor Project for yep. Running of the Trolls. So two good charities. Uh, and the Running of the Trolls is happening, again, this June 29th. That's been something we've mentioned before, and it's it's always really cool to see it happening. Uh, it's you... a fun time. I've done it once or twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You if goes... you
0: if you want to participate in it, you just make a troll on Feathermoon or Scarlet Crusade servers um, in the troll starting area, so in the Echo Isles, and you run from there. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. It's it is basically people will turn out to watch, and you just run. It's it's neat. Uh, I've I had fun doing it the one time I did it. Um, actually one time I did it one time I just showed up and watched so the time I showed up and watched it, I felt a little weird because I wasn't doing anything but that them's the breaks but yeah um, that's that's going on for June and that's a you know if you're going to do something for the Trevor sort of Project you might as well keep that in mind um, I think that's pretty much it I mean I can't think of anything else I mean there's we're a There's, day early
0: this week, so the news yeah. is kind of light. I'm sure we're probably just going to get an avalanche of news either later today or tomorrow, at which point we'll be like, oh, shoot, but that's okay, because we'll carry it over to next week.
1: It's all good. These are the things that happen. But for right now, uh, we're going to move on to some emails. Uh, if you have an email for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at podcast.blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Uh, we'll talk about anything, like, you know, well, I mean, you know, we'll talk about any Blizzard game. Let's put it that way. If you write a long email about how you, you know, no one understands you, we probably won't talk about that, unless it's a really compelling email. I mean, I, I can't guarantee we won't <laughs> talk about it, but probably we won't. So, uh, Anne reads the emails for us. So, if you don't mind, Anne.
0: Okay. Uh, first email is from Easy Target from Oldamon, who says, "Rolling dice in anger since 1980." Good reference. Uh, they said so. Is the Heritage armor available for Death Knights? All other Torin I have had have been race-changed into Darkspear and then Zandalari because Dinomancer or directly to Zandalari because Prelate. I have re-rolled my Sunwalker. Kind of miss that guy. Do I have to keep leveling him from scratch doing that anyway, really, and then go through the whole war campaign again, or am I good just going through the campaign on my Death Knight?
1: You're good just going through the campaign. You Death Knight. Uh, you I think you have to have. Or...
0: You, you can do the Heritage yeah. armor on a Death Knight.
1: You just have to have, I believe, Exalted with the rep of the the faction. Like for instance, the torrent of Thunder Bluff, in order to get the Heritage armor. But you have to have that on on your account. It doesn't have to be on the character getting it. It just you have to have earned it somewhere.
0: As long as one so... of your characters is Exalted with that particular faction, you can take any Tauren... It doesn't matter what the class is. It's just any Torin and go through it.
1: Uh, one thing, though, make sure it's Thunder Bluff. Be a Torin, not a High Mountain
0: tauren. Yeah, High Mountain does not count for this.
1: <laughs> they already got their own heritage armor. So keep that in mind. But it's the same for if you're looking for the, getting the gnome armor as well. Same deal. Uh, you can absolutely do it on Death Knight. You have to have Exalted with Gnomeregan on one of your characters on that account. And you're good to go that's that's what you and need from
0: to do. the if i remember correctly with the tauren stuff you actually have to play through the war campaign stuff that involves bane before you can do the heritage armor yeah um, because
1: that's that quest stuff is right. important to the story right.
0: um yeah and then but as long once as you you've do done that, that you can go do that with whatever Toran you have you're fine as far as
1: we know the gnomes don't have to do the war campaign but they do have a pretty involved quest that actually ties a little bit into, into uh, the me- into me- Mechagon Mecha- stuff, Mechagon and stuff. So th- their, their quest is still really cool. It- actually, I'm going to bring up one thing about that quest you might not know. It's actually about the family of a- an infamous Gnomeregon character. Yes. Uh, Sycothermoplugs' relatives are involved in this quest and not as the bad guys apparently so which is yeah. really
0: kind of interesting um i'm looking forward to that particular chain i think it it's going to be really cool
1: yeah it's actually interesting we're actually at a point of of movement for gnomes lore wise this is it's a new territory um with with you know Geblin mechatork kind of out of action new gnomes are stepping up and they're leading the charge into like some of them have been around for a while the Mechagon quests, for instance, come from uh, an old favorite who's been around forever. Uh, I want to say Overspark. Yeah, I think it's Tinker Overspark. And uh, Tink there's Master
0: Overspark. Tinker yeah.
1: Overspark. Yeah. And so th- there's a lot going on. The, the, having uh, Thermoplug's family come back in too, it's it's interesting. It's it's we could use more, but it's more story than gnomes have gotten in a long time. So I'm actually really excited to see what happens. I'm but, just yeah, happy that's... that we're
0: getting gnome storylines. But yeah, um, going back to the original question that Easy Target had, yeah, you don't you don't need to worry about it. Even if you're a Death Knight, it doesn't matter. Like the class that you play doesn't matter. It's just, do you have a Torin at max level? Yeah, okay, cool, you're good.
1: Yeah, do you have a at max level? Are you exalted with your faction on somebody? It doesn't even have to be with that character. If you're Zandalari, if you, when you race change to Zandalari, if that character had already earned exalted uh, with the Thunder Bluff, then you're good it to still go. It still counts. That's all you it need. Still counts.
0: Um, okay, so next email is from Weaverly, from Proudmore, who has two questions, and I think we're just going to do these one at a time here. Yeah. Uh, so sure, the first yeah. first question says: Our most recent depiction of Bolvar as the Lich King shows a golden glow and golden eyes. Previous Lich King depictions prior to Bolvar have been blue eyed. Do you think this was an intentional forerunner to Kalia's quote unquote light bound undead form? What possible connections, if any, do you think will be made in the future?
1: I think he's on fire. Yeah. I think that's not golden. I think that's fire. He is on fire because of what happened to him when the, the Red dragon flight seared his almost dead body with the healing power of life fire. Uh, he He's burning. He is forever burning. He doesn't die. He just burns forever. And that's... Tied up into the plague and death and the change that happened to him, even before he put on the helmet, he was. The, if you remember when he was hanging from above the frozen throne, they were his file name was something like Burning Man or the Burned Man. Uh, that's that's what his model was called, and he was crispy. Like you look at him, he was he wasn't Bolvar anymore. He did not look at anything like the Bolvar we knew. When he his showed bones, up to
0: pick up the hat, there was a reason. Tyrion was kind of taken aback.
1: Yeah. His, his, like, pauldrons, like, his armor was partially fused to his body, like the armor that he'd been wearing when he got hit by the flames. He's not okay, even before he put the helmet on. So, yeah, that's, I'm not saying the light's not involved in, in him at all, because he was a paladin, and we know that paladins can still reach the light even after they turned undead. We've got Zeliac for that. But I don't think that's golden glow. That's flames. He's on fire.
0: Bolvar had probably one of the most like top 10 one of the most horrific fates in World of Warcraft cuz what happened was when they were at Rathgate he got hit like direct hit in the middle of the plague of undeath and what the plague of undeath was supposed to do was dissolve your flesh and bring you back to life as an undead that's that's what it did that's what it was kind of for that was its purpose um so he was mid plague when the red dragon flight flew over and the flames of the red dragon flight are they're basically I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like life flames or whatever, like you said. It's it's living flame. It's just living flame. So like where the flame hits green grass grew everything else. Um and it hit Bolvar. And Bolvar is in this state now in between life and death kind of Eternally, He can't die, but he can't really be alive. And the way that he looks now, even if he tried to lead some kind of normal life, there was no way that he was going to be able to do that. That's why he volunteered to take the helm of the Lich King. Part of it was he felt that he could resist, given that he had resisted corruption from Arthas. Well, from the Lich King, like directly all that time. So he felt like he could, you know, temper that control and, and and keep his own mind and keep his own sanity. And part of it was because there was no way he could go back to Stormwind at that point. There was just no way. Um, if he had stepped off of Ice Crown and tried to go to Dalaran, people would have flipped out. And he knew that there was no returning to that life that he had. Uh, so that's why he kind of stepped up and said... I'll do it. I'll do it. What other future do I have? Really? Realistically speaking, this is, this is something that I can do. And I know I can do it. But I mean, I, I just, he was such a good character. And then he had that happen to him. And it was like the worst possible thing that could happen to you.
1: And it's not a surprise that when we see Bolvar again, as the Lich King and Legion, he countenances us to do some pretty horrible things to the red dragons.
0: Yeah because they're Uh, kind of responsible for what happened to him.
1: He probably holds a pretty big grudge. And also you'll notice that red dragons make extremely good undead because the power that they have is when corrupted is extremely strong for death as it was for life. It's
0: self-sustaining life and you throw that into an undead thing and you've got something that is definitely, it's undead. Um, I don't know if Bolvar initially had any kind of malice towards the red dragon flight. I don't know if that's something that happened once he put the hat on.
1: He's got a lot of time to think about it, too. He's had a
0: lot of time to think about it, but I'm wondering if just, like, the helm of the Lich King and the place where he was, you know, it couldn't corrupt him directly, but it could kind of foster that animosity towards what had done this to him. And that kind of makes sense, too. I don't know. Anyway, Bolvar is, like, one of my... He's one of my favorite characters, just because... The nature of what happened to him and what he chose to do afterward it just he's a good character and I remember the first time I ran into Bolvar when he was like in Stormwind right (laughs) and and, and like fighting the black dragons that were like a bunch of all of the guards in the throne room turn into these black dragons and he just sits there and cuts through them like butter it was so so great it was like it was just It was this moment of absolute unapologetic heroism, like in the middle of this really amazing storyline that you're playing through on the Alliance side anyway. So yeah, it was just, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. I really loved that character. I thought that character was fantastic. And I was really happy when he got involved with Wrath of the Lich King. And then I was really horrified with what happened to him at the wrath, that's part of what made the Wrathgate so impactful at the time was that everybody's experience with Bolvar was this is the bright shining beacon of humanity. He is the golden hero. We don't have King Varian. We don't know where he's at or anything. Stormwind is being ruled by a little boy, but we have this pillar of, of heroism here. And yeah, I don't know. It just, it made it really impactful for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm interested in seeing where Bolvar is going to go from here. I, obviously, I don't think that we're done with the Lich King at all. I don't think that anything with the Golden Glow had anything to do with the Lightbound stuff, because it took place so far beforehand, and it already had a logical explanation for it. Um... Anyway, we've at least got another question here, and the question says, second unrelated question, if you choose, as we possibly move away from the faction conflict, do you foresee the focus shifting to internal conflicts? We certainly see this occurring within the Horde. If so, what fissures do you anticipate in the Alliance or Horde's future?
1: I mean, you could do a lot of different things. Um, One fissure that could come up in the Alliance is the two groups that have lost their home not having a home, uh, depending on what happens at the end of this expansion. But assuming that they don't just, you know, if the Night Elves don't end this expansion with a place to live, that's a problem because the Night Elves and the Worgen are both kind of homeless and they can't all squat in Stormwind forever. Uh, so that that could be a pretty big conflict. Uh, <clears throat> for the Horde, let's assume for a moment that, you know, one of the problems would be who's in charge now? Like, are we going to have a War Chief? If so, who is it? Is Sylvanas still around? No war chief has ever just like been deposed. You know, Garrosh wasn't just deposed; he was a, he was locked up. Um, Sylvanas could she just resign? Like, you, there's a lot going on here that that's kind of unprecedented. The idea of a war chief resigning has happened, but he didn't resign and then go lead just a part of the horde can they just you like know? vote
0: to impeach or is that not a thing <laughs> you yeah
1: know, <laughs> like, can sylvanas be like i'm done i've done all i want to do i'm gonna just me and the forsaken are gonna go off and do our own thing like there's there's a lots of stuff you know how do you like deal with that how do you deal with like the one thing that comes to mind is that you know the whole bit where sort where thralls like in the cinematic i not i'm not gonna lead and Sorfang's like i wasn't asking uh who is sorfang asking who does he want to lead the horde does he want to do it I don't get that sense from him that he wants to do it. He might do it if he thinks he has to do it. I
0: think the reason he wanted to go rescue Bane.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a good. Uh, but the thing is, does Bane want to be in charge of the Horde? I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he wouldn't do a decent job as war chief, but does he want to be a Warchief? Warchief is not a Toren title. And when his father challenged Garrosh to Magora, he didn't actually want the job. He wanted Garrosh to back down. Which you know, of all the ways to try to get Garrosh Helcruel to back down, directly challenging his honor probably wasn't the way to go. Um, but there, there's a lot to this. There's there's lots of fissures for both. Like I could think, I could sit here and think. about, like you know, the gnomes still don't have Normragon back. That it, it, if if the gnomes saw the night elves get their home back, they might be like, hey, we've been trying to get our place back for you know 15 years somebody going to help us with this at this point we, we've been trying to do this by ourselves and it hasn't worked out maybe you guys could help a little bit you know that could be a possible source of conflict or this whole thing with mechagon the gnomes have learned that they used to have a king and he went crazy and tried to like remake the world some gnomes might think you know what maybe we should if, if we were all robots then the curse of flesh you know if we didn't have the curse of flesh then radioactivity wouldn't be a problem anymore you know, you could have a split in the gnomes because they've now learned their history. Uh, the dwarves have the Council of the Three Hammers. There is there's a ton of stuff. Like, imagine dwarves trying to decide between, you know, Magni's out there He says he doesn't want to be king anymore, but he's directly talking to Azeroth. Moira's as far as they know.
0: son is eventually going to grow up here, and he's the one yeah. that's got the direct claim.
1: He's got the direct claim on two thrones, but he doesn't have a claim on the Wildhammer throne.
0: no. So how is that going to work? And that could be a fascinating new bit of thing to come up. I think, for me anyway, it feels like the most likely Fisher-Alliance side would be the Night Elves, just because they joined after the Third War, and what have they really gotten out of that deal?
1: Yeah, especially if you look at, like, their... Their history throughout the past, you know, the the World of Warcraft years. They went from a really hopeful time. Yeah, Yeah, but
0: how many thousands of years were they living in isolation and doing just fine? And then as soon as, you know, the Burning Legion hits and they do the third war, that happened. They made their alliances and they made their alliances with both the orcs and the humans and they worked to put a stop to what was going on with the Third War and they were successful with that right? And then they kind of went back to their own thing and when the orcs started encroaching again they turned to the Alliance and said hey can you do a solid help us out we'll go ahead and you know ally with you guys. And it was the first time in Caldera society, the society that's been around for like 10,000 years that they'd done anything like this. And what's happened since then everything terrible, like just bad things. And, you know, this is why this is why I perpetually get frustrated with with what they did with Fandral. Because I feel like Fandral could have been a very good foil, and he could have been a very good representative of, this is the way things are, and they are supposed to be, and you guys are pushing us away from that. Why are you doing that, Tyrande? Why are you doing that, Malfurion? What have you brought to Calderoy society? What have you really done to us as a people? Because Fandral always had that whole, um night elves are better than anybody else, Kind of superior attitude that was like his thing. Um, if you went and you talked to Fandral and you weren't a night elf, even if you were a night elf, he didn't
1: really treat you very nicely. I was going to say, I just did the beta. He's not nice to night. Elves.
0: He's not nice to night elves, but if you go there as not a night elf, he's even worse, right? He just he doesn't like non night elves. He doesn't think that the night elves should be doing any of this Alliance stuff and the only reason he hasn't done anything about it is because he isn't in that kind of position of power but technically speaking he did kind of do something about it because he's the reason that Malfurion Stormrage isn't around he's the reason that Malfurion is trapped in the Emerald Dream at that point in time we just didn't know it Tyrande is still leading the Night Elves at that point but Fandral represents this faction who's Not necessarily happy with what Taronda and Malfurion have done, and he has a good point. He absolutely has a good point because what did this alliance gain the Night Elves? Nothing. That's why it's interesting (laughs) that we
1: have Maya back.
0: Yeah, and Maya kind of fits in that role too. But given what we saw of her in Legion, um, and given how she's like actually talking to Taronda again and stuff. It's She doesn't fit quite the same niche As Fandral did This is part of the reason though that I was so upset With what they did with Fandral Because I feel like he could have been Much much more than he was However These societal like schisms That, that exist in Caldera society They weren't It wasn't just Fandral that thought this way He's not the only one and there's probably oh, no, others no. that are just as upset or, you know, kind of wondering, hey, why did we let night elf mages in again? That's not cool. Don't we remember what happened last time? And there are probably people that are kind of upset with what happened to Teldrassil. Kind of oh, upset would, is a big think, understatement, yeah. right? Big understatement. I
1: mean, as, as people have pointed out, Teldrassil wasn't that old.
0: No, but it, so, but it was their home, was Vandal's
1: creation. But the real problem with, with Tellersoul is that there were thousands of people on it.
0: Yeah, and and it was their home. And... It was the place that they established after what happened on Hyjal, and it went up in flames. So they like they have nowhere to go. Meanwhile, Taranda has taken on the essence of the Night Warrior, which isn't necessarily viewed as a very good thing. So there may be pe- more people that are kind of questioning what exactly it is that she's doing and we know that people are still questioning it because you look at the you look at the calderay soldiers who chose to become undead and what they have to say when they make that choice is very telling so there's a lot there going on with the calderay that really hasn't been explored this is why i'm kind of irritated a little bit with the whole. Well, Taronda got her vengeance and everything, so she's not going to be really involved with Nazgatar or anything like that. I'm like, bull. There's so much left there to explore. <laughs> like, you're first just...
1: off, what <laughs> revenge did she get? She gets to trade off on a piece of land with the. I mean, Forsaken? they got Darkshore the back. Like, that's not even. You didn't even get it back. You get to hold it for a week, and then the other guy shows up and takes it back. That's not revenge. It... But more importantly, Taronda herself. Toronto herself not only are people like Toronto herself might actually be the leader of people who are disaffiliated in Night owl society right now. Yeah. she's not the same anymore no she has made a deal with Aloon she demanded that aoonon do this to her. she demanded it uh, something that has torn apart the last three or four you know people over the past ten thousand years who tried to do this. it killed them. eloon said okay you get it you know, you are the instrument of my vengeance what happens you you can't tell me the instrument of the, of of Elune's vengeance got Aloone's vengeance yet and what what happens when that's what your leader is a leader who is all about vengeance can't make the decision to stop hostilities yeah just like that they can't cuz they're that they're literally the mystical embodiment of the vengeance of a god there's there's more to the story that needs to be told. I think that was a huge mistake on their part. The phrasing was a bad mistake. They could have just said, you know, she's busy fighting for dark shore. She doesn't have time to join the Alliance and Nazjatar. I feel like her
0: story isn't done, but they aren't going to, they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to give anything away. So they gave us this thing that, that kind of like implies, Oh, we're done with her right now. I don't think we're done with her. I think that, they just want to shift the story focus over to other stuff and for toranda going after eshara doesn't make a ton of sense cuz that's not where her vengeance is set i find it interesting too that we keep talking about vengeance and how it's like she, she you know vengeful night for warrior thing it just it It has shades of Sylvanas written all over it, because what was Sylvanas when she became the Banshee Queen? What was her ultimate goal at that point? What was she doing with the Forsaken at that point? Focusing them entirely on vengeance against the Lich King. That was it. That was her whole sole focus for everything. And then once that was done that's when she started turning to other things so yeah i don't know there's just like there's all kinds of parallels there there's a lot that they could explore with the alliance in terms of like internal tensions and things like that if they decided to move away from the faction conflict thing there's a lot there's just a lot anyway um i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up there though
1: yeah it's we're pretty much good to go on time
0: okay well, Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience.
1: Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, again, guys, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or Blizzard Watch" in the subject line so we know it's for the show. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here with us every week. Uh, This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science?